0: Got me a red wave. Ride me a red wave. Got me a red wave. It's high noon for Wednesday, November 3rd, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm Your Moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm Reasonable. You can also find me on Gab and Getter at I'm Your Moderator. The Substack is I'mYourModerator.Substack.com and the merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct Shop.Spreadshirt.com slash Cancel-Couture. Today is the 287th day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist, dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies, you acquired all the power so that you could finally inflict your will on the American people. And you came up completely empty because all that power is illegitimate and illegitimately held power will eventually be exposed. Congratulations, commies. Once again, your illegitimate power has been totally exposed now. And if last night was the final straw for you, if you finally woke up and realized that the country is not on your side at all, you have options. You can continue being a communist and throwing your lot in with the people who steal elections and are now trying to poison your children or you can migrate back to America. All you have to do is leave all of those stupid and evil child-brained communist thoughts behind And go out into the world, make amends with all the people you have shamed and bullied and censored and tried to get fired from their jobs. And when you do that, we will welcome you with open arms because the truth is we want people to come to our position. America becomes strong when Americans unify around Americanism. And that's exactly what we see happening. So join the side of unification, commies. It's better over here. You don't have to lie. That's a huge advantage. Come be part of the American project of human liberty and self-governance. And with that, I would love to extend a warm Wednesday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, redeemable communists. Welcome to the show. There are more of you now. I can feel you. I can feel the electricity flowing. I can feel the red wave building. Welcome commies. Come back to America. But here's the thing. You need to unify With our position, because our position is uncompromising. There will be no compromise. We will not meet you in the middle. Okay, that is the price you pay for having lied and cheated for so long. You do not get to act how you've acted for the last five years, truthfully much longer. And expect that compromise will be our response it is not. You need to get fully on board with the America first agenda. That's it. You have to migrate back to America. There is no global communist utopian state in the United States of America that no longer exists. You have been fully exposed. Your power is negligible. You have no power. You have nothing we want to compromise with. Okay. We don't need you. We want you to join us on our terms. That's how it's going to be. If you refuse, we will just wipe you all off the board. Because we are a vast, vast majority. And we tell the truth. And we know right from wrong. And that is why Republicans swept last night. Victories in the Virginia governor's race, in the lieutenant governor's race, in the attorney general's race, and all down ballot. Potentially a victory in the New Jersey governor's race. Victories on Long Island. Victories with Pennsylvania judges. Victories for the Trump endorsed House candidate Mike Carey in Ohio. And the communists are left scratching their heads wondering where they went wrong, doing all of their analysis, which isn't really analysis. They're just trying to create ways that their narrative can persist despite being roundly rejected by the entire country. The red wave is real. It was real last fall. It is stronger than ever right now. MAGA is not a small base, a small fringe element of the Republican Party. MAGA is the controlling element in American politics, and it will be for a very long time. Because building a movement on truth and patriotism is anti-fragile. Go harder after us, and we will become stronger every single time. And I want to thank everybody in Virginia who worked hard for that win in New Jersey and around the country. I'm glad everybody went out and voted. I had my doubts. Got to say I was wrong. I'm glad everyone went out and did it and overwhelmed the polling places. But as I suspected when I was discussing whether or not to vote over the past few weeks, The narrative in some circles is immediately shifting to the perspective that there is nothing wrong with the election systems and the fact that the Republicans won in a close race proves it. Now, I was talking yesterday about the very prominent dumbass, Alex Berenson, and I would like to discuss him briefly again because Alex Berenson is showing the world exactly who it is, and I called this a very long time ago. So I'm just going to spend a couple more minutes on it because he deserves one more massive takedown because his work is honestly pretty pathetic. This morning, he wrote a post, the headline of the post, Everybody Calm Down About Stolen Elections. Uh, I'm reading a lot today about Bergen County and how it was 100% counted last night. And suddenly, uh, um, uh, 20,000 votes mysteriously popped up for Phil Murphy. This is not true. The votes were mail-ins, and Bergen County had counted them hours before they were added to the overall numbers. I saw them sitting there. Why the AP didn't add them earlier, I don't know. But they didn't appear out of nowhere. The same thing happened in Sussex County in reverse. And I'm sorry for doing that voice. I'll stop now. But he really does sound that way. You can listen to him. He sounds exactly like that. And if you say, hey, he doesn't sound exactly like that, I'd be like, ah, does an unexpectedly close election is not a sign of cheating it is the opposite all of you trumpsters who said virginia was going to be stolen from you were wrong and whatever happens in new jersey is going to be very closely watched there will be a recount oh alex berenson oh just calling it just dropping the voter knowledge on us The election fraud knowledge. There'll be a recount. Wow. Oh man, this guy is just, oh God, he's right on the button. He knows exactly how the process works. There'll be a recount. What is the recount going to show us, Alex? (laughs) Uh, uh, Recounts are how you know that there was no fraud. Okay, buddy. Okay. However, we should all take one big lesson here. If you are a Republican or a Democrat, you cannot trust the polls, especially in blue states dominated by woke media outlets. Republicans just aren't answering their phones or telling pollsters what they really think. So don't assume the election is decided. Get out there and vote. Uh, hey, fact guy. The latest polling out of Virginia showed a two-point Youngkin win. So, if he won by two points, what's your point? He finishes off with this. And then know that your vote will be counted. And stop whining about fraud. It's extremely off-putting to those of us in the middle. It makes you sound like a loser, and losers don't win god what a piece of shit this guy is sorry man yo honestly i would absolutely still have alex berenson on this podcast even though i do not respect him as an intellectual at all okay i would have him on here and ask him questions that i am almost certain he knows the answer to but never says all sorts of stuff about covid hey alex why, when Joe Rogan said someone had gotten infected three times, did you think that asking, oh, was that confirmed by a PCR test was the right response? Answer me that question. Hey, Alex, tell us about cycle thresholds for PCR tests. You must know about those, right? Okay, so then why do you premise everything you say on testing like the central narrative does? Why do you do that? You know better than that, don't you? Hey, Alex, if Anthony Fauci is wrong about everything for two years and hides what he knows, which we can tell from his emails, and lies blatantly to our faces, should we still call him an expert? Riddle me that. Saying that anything about the results from last night means that there is not election fraud, is as rock dumb as it gets. Okay? You could see it happening. And I'm not just talking about vote flips and things like that. I'm talking about you get all the numbers all the way up, except not everywhere. Some places can't give you the numbers, at least not yet. They're just giving you a little tease. They're just showing a little leg. Everybody knows that it takes days and days and days to count votes in the cities. New York City. Oh, they had their result pretty immediately. That's weird, huh? New York City is one of the biggest cities in the world. And it's supposed to be very blue, right? They just got their result in right away. How come they didn't have all these counting problems? How come Virginia was called as soon as the polls closed on Election Day in 2020 and we still don't know right now? I mean, Terry McAuliffe has conceded by now and the winners have been confirmed in multiple races. but. This is just within the last couple of hours. McAuliffe just conceded, I don't know, an hour and a half ago. Why did it take so long? What were they trying to figure out? Where were they going to get all the extra votes? I want to read a post that Bobby Python wrote before the election. I think he must have written this on Monday evening. There are at least 398,000 phantom voters in Virginia. The high end of my estimate is 985,636. This high end might be too low. I stopped looking for more possible issues because the numbers are so ridiculous. The population of Virginia was 7,078,515 in 2000. Today, it is about 8,631,393 or a 21.94% increase. Meanwhile, the vote went from 1.736 million in 1997 for governor to 2.61 million in 2017. All right. So 2017, 2.61 million total votes in the gubernatorial election 2017, four years ago. In 2009, 1.985 million ballots were cast for governor in Virginia. Okay. So. Between 2009 and 2017, the vote total in Virginia went up about 625,000, all right? That is like 30%, a 30% increase in total voter turnout between the gubernatorial races in 2009 and 2017 population was just over 8 million. This is 2009. He's talking about almost 22% were under 18. So about 6.24 million eligible voters, 31.8% of eligible voters voted in 2017, 2.61 million people voted. Amazing. As the population of Virginia went up by about 600,000 since 2010. So every person added to Virginia since 2010 was voting age. Hmm. That seems strange. Almost 200,000 people are registered in Virginia with no other person in Virginia with that same last name. No uncles, cousins, sisters, parents, etc. These quote unquote placeholders is how votes are quote unquote laundered in and then assigned to these fake clones of most commonly used last names in Virginia. Last disturbing statistic, the number of Republicans that voted went up by twenty one point three percent just in line with population growth since nineteen ninety seven. Democrats outpaced them by almost four point five to one. A whopping one point four million voted in twenty seventeen versus seven hundred thirty nine thousand in nineteen ninety seven. All right. So. Can population growth explain the difference in Democrat turnout over those 20 years? That's the question. And the answer should be pretty obvious. He finishes tomorrow is a pivotal point in our fight against tyranny. I give the edge to Yunkin. I believe he will be the next governor of Virginia and will win by a margin as high as 6% plus if honesty is returning to our election process. Now. Glenn Youngkin has been declared the winner. Terry McAuliffe has conceded. Does that mean there is no election fraud? No, it does not mean that at all. So keep in mind, we're about 2.6 million total votes in the 2017 Virginia governor's race. Last fall in the presidential contest, they got up to a little over 4.4 million votes. OK, so presidential race, obviously, you're going to have the highest possible turnout. And as you can imagine, they manufactured about 2.4 million votes for Joe Biden. Utter nonsense, obviously. But just trying to give you some perspective on what last night's numbers look like. Right now. They are showing about 3.3 million votes last night. Terry McAuliffe, who lost last night, outpaced Ralph Northam in 2017 by 200,000 votes. Okay. Now, let's think about what the conditions on the ground are in Virginia and the conditions in the political environment right now. Terry McAuliffe has nothing going for him. Absolutely nothing. Does he connect to young people? Absolutely not. Do black voters trust him? Of course not. Why would anyone? Was he an authentic salesman for the ultra-progressive global communist agenda that's being pushed by national Democrats? Of course not. Terry McAuliffe is nothing more... Than a longtime Clinton lackey who controls enough of the Democrat political system in Virginia and is owed favors. That's why he was the nominee. And that's why they stuck it out with him for so long. Barack Obama went there. Joe Biden went there. Kamala Harris went there. And Stacey Abrams went there. And none of them got anything done. They cheated in the election. They changed election practices outside of the law, outside of the state legislature. They used the black churches to disseminate political advertisements. They campaigned in the tax-exempt churches. That, too, is not allowed. They had a little rescanning issue. They stopped the vote counts. They held back the vote counts. They did it all. And they still lost. There was a report last night, Jack Posobiec uh, tweeted out. That Joe Biden had refused a phone call from Terry McAuliffe. Don't know if that's true or not. Jack Posobiec is usually well sourced inside the White House. He certainly seems to be. And we are left to speculate about what that phone call might have been. Terry McAuliffe could have been asking for assistance. We need more votes. Could have been asking whether or not he should concede. Who knows? But it looks like Joe Biden didn't want to tie himself to Terry McAuliffe's sinking ship because Joe Biden has to worry about his own sinking ship. But we are supposed to imagine. That 700,000 more Virginians voted in this gubernatorial race than the one in 2017. And much like Joe Biden, there's nothing that we can detect that would have caused more people to come out and vote at this level. Obviously, people in the middle and a whole bunch of Democrats who probably voted for Joe Biden came over and voted for Glenn Youngkin, okay? Glenn Youngkin right now has the highest vote total ever in a governor's race in Virginia. Congratulations to Glenn Youngkin. People did come out and vote for him. MAGA voters listened to President Trump and came out and supported the Trump-endorsed candidate. A lot of the cable networks are trying to pretend that Glenn Youngkin ran away from Donald Trump But Glenn Youngkin literally held a virtual event with Donald Trump the night before the election. If he was trying to convince everybody that he was not on board with the Trump agenda. It's not a very good way to do it. But what are the communists going to say? He ran on an America first agenda and crushed this old school Democrat with that. They're not going to say that. Of course not. They're going to interpret this in whatever way they can to keep their side of the game going, all right? The Uniparty, the global communist system is trying to get the most they can out of the situation as it exists all the time, right? So I'm thinking about this this morning and bear with me for a second. Some of this is a little speculative, but let's assume that the global communists have a plan. They have an agenda and we know what that agenda is, okay? And it's beyond build back better. We know where Build Back Better came from, came from the World Economic Forum. We know what the World Economic Forum wants. As simple as reading Klaus Schwab's books, they write it down for us. Just like you can go back, and maybe Alex Berenson is unaware of this, but you can go back and read a document produced by the Johns Hopkins Center for Medical Security, or Health Security, is it, called Spars Pandemic 2025 to 2028. It was written in 2017. You can read that document and understand that they have followed that playbook for the coronavirus. It's not complicated. You can see what their plan is at all times, right? So on the other side of things, you would imagine that there is a plan as well. Now, it doesn't have to be necessarily the Q plan, though it could be. But to think there's no plan would be silly. If you know you have an enemy and you know that enemy is planning to dominate and subject you, it would only be natural to create a plan to respond to that. Okay. So there are these two competing plans on the outside, right? Kind of running parallel to one another. And each one of those plans represents the way that side thinks that they can win. And in the middle of that, you have the people. And the people on some level behave predictably, but ultimately represent a variable, right? No matter how much you can predict human behavior, you cannot predict it exactly. So what you need to have your plan succeed is to have the people on your side. So that the variable always works to support your plan rather than the opposing plan. And that's exactly what we see in the world right now. The people are on our side, which means that we get to dictate the action while the enemy is constantly reacting to our plan, to the successes of our plan, because the people are on our side. The problem with the communists, with the party of false decorum, as I always say, is they are incompetent and narcissistic. They are very, very, very bad At the things they do. But they think that they are not only smarter and better at everything, they think that they are like ordained. It is their destiny to rule over us. So they think that everything will just work out. And you could see the same pattern taking place with the COVID stuff, right? They hire all their epidemiologists, they get all their experts. And Epidemiology is basically just applied mathematics and an understanding of human behavior that no epidemiologist seems to have. And that goes a long way to explaining why they're always wrong about everything. And of course, Democrat politics is the same. They exist in a Twitter bubble, and a media bubble. They actually believe that their viewpoints are representative of a large portion of the American population, and they just aren't. The dark blue states are not dark blue states. I've been saying this for over a year. That is a mythology that has been built up over years and years of stolen and manipulated elections. And last night's election was manipulated. It may not have been manipulated enough to get Glenn Youngkin the win. And there are a few different possibilities for why that is, but it was still manipulated. The narrative was manipulated. Glenn Youngkin was slaughtering Terry McAuliffe. He was up by 12 points for most of the night. And then once things started getting late, once people started drifting off to bed thinking, oh, it's hopeless. Then it started creeping back and back and back and back and back. And now the difference is like 75,000 votes. Maybe the Democrats just can't come up with enough votes to bridge that divide. Maybe we have beat the algorithm again. Maybe somehow their election fraud system was defeated in certain ways. Stopped, I should say. They weren't able to accomplish some of the cheating they intended. They had set themselves up to be able to count votes till Friday. And who knows, maybe they will still do that. But the win doesn't mean there was no manipulation, all right? This win, which is now very tight, two points, represents a 12-point shift from a year ago. Is that possible? Of course it is, okay? But it's also possible that Donald Trump was not defeated at all in Virginia. In fact, it's highly likely that Donald Trump was not defeated at all in Virginia. And we're going to find that out. So that 10 point difference in 2020 is not close to actually being a 10 point difference. Maybe it's tied. Maybe Biden somehow won by a point or two more likely he lost. We know the scale of the cheating now. We watch it in real time. We know how weird Virginia was last fall. They called it immediately. Then they moved it from called for Biden to too early to call and too close to call. And then they gave it back to Biden. And now Yunkin squeaks out a close one, even though he was ahead 10 to 12 points all night. I guess we just have to believe That there really are places so blue that 70% of the people there will vote against their own children's interests. That's what we have to believe. And we're not even given good explanations about that. We're just told these are the places where black people live and black people vote for Democrats. That is how Democrats accomplish the entirety of their narrative agenda. They make us believe that black people just love Democrats so much, and there's so many of them that they will come out and dominate election after election after election for Democrats. It's not stealing. It's not stealing. It's just that we're the party for black people. Well, that ain't true. Democrats are reacting today. There was a headline uh, in an MSNBC piece that was linked to. Uh, real clear politics. And this is, it's its honestly, at this point, it's offensive. It, it would be offensive if it weren't so pathetic, I should say. Here it is. Youngkin's win proves white ignorance is a powerful weapon. And I'm not going to read this whole thing because it's a joke. But this is, uh, I guess, a man or woman named Jahan Jones. I have to feel like that's a man. Sounds like a mannish name, right? Who knows anymore? Republican Glenn Youngkin has defeated Democrat Terry McAuliffe in Virginia's closely watched gubernatorial race, NBC News projected early on Wednesday morning. Youngkin, who received Donald Trump's endorsement in May, led a largely ill-defined campaign, often hewing close to the former president's 2020 election lies, while also coyly trying to distance himself from them. Similar to Trump, Youngkin is a businessman with no political experience, whose campaign focused on hot button social topics like outrage over school curricula rather than substantive policy discussions, substantive policy discussions. Terry McAuliffe and Joe Biden spent their campaign event last week talking about Donald Trump, talking about Donald Trump. Where is the substantive policy discussion in that? These people are insane, either that or they are the dumbest people in the world, and that's entirely possible. From the outset, it was clear Yunkin would need fervent support from the state's conservative base, along with the backing of some white voters in Democrat-leaning areas like Loudoun County to win the race. Ultimately, his campaign settled on a game plan that seemed to resonate deeply with white voters in Virginia, targeting school lesson plans that address inequality and social justice. Youngkin adopted the conservative strategy of falsely grouping these lesson plans under the label of critical race theory, and he promised to ban such teachings on day one if elected. Critical race theory is a college level field of study that's not taught in Virginia K through 12 schools, but it's become a catch all phrase for intellectually lazy people, many of them white who want to stigmatize any discussion about American racism. And actually, this very stupid article is so short that I will finish it. In the final weeks of his campaign, Youngkin focused almost exclusively on attacking lesson plans about inequality. He hosted multiple Parents Matter rallies where attendees could gather to express outrage over school curricula. And last week, his campaign released an ad featuring a white mother who fought to have beloved... Tony Morrison's Pulitzer Prize winning novel about slavery banned from her son's school district. The Youngkin campaign discovered that his contingent of angry, willfully ignorant white people was the key ingredient needed to elect a GOP governor in Virginia for the first time since 2009. We can expect more Republicans to try the same gambit as we inch closer to next year's consequential midterm elections. Trump's endorsement, could have been a detriment to Yunkin in a state Trump lost by about 10 percentage points last year. But Yunkin managed to endear himself to voters, some of them in liberal enclaves, with a platform designed to shield Americans from the reality of the country's racist history. <laughs> Cry harder, Kami! What is wrong with these people, honestly? So Glenn Yunkin won because of racism. Anytime anything in the world happens, it's because of racism. And when the Democrats win, it's because everybody wanted to defeat racism. Racism, 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 racism. Joy Reid last night had an utter meltdown on MSNBC. She said that the problem was soft racism and soft nationalism and soft white nationalism. She just starts combining phrases until she feels like she's gotten emotional enough to sell her case to her rock dumb audience of child brains. And she goes with that. Oh, it's the racism. White women, she did a TikTok, white women shifted from fifty percent Joe Biden to fifty seven percent Yunkin. So, Yunkin's share of the white female vote went up by 8%. Tara McAuliffe's dropped from Joe Biden's by 7%, a 15-point swing. So, white women decided the outcome of the race, and that means that the outcome itself is racist. Huh. And then we switch over to Van Jones on CNN, and we get this. Look, First of all, it's not over. Um, You do have the the grassroots uh, folks out there uh, fighting for this on the Democratic Party side. The stakes are high. Uh, When this election is over in Virginia, we will know. Have we seen the emergence of the Delta variant of Trumpism? The Delta variant of Trumpism. In other words, Youngkin, uh, same disease, but spreads a lot faster and can get a lot more places. The suburbs, if they fall to him, you know, that's implying that. Yeah, that Yunkin is more dangerous than Uh, the president. president. No, no, more easy to spread. Okay, because Uh. because more more easy easy to spread, because if if you look at what he's doing. The Delta variant of Trumpism. Trump supporters are a disease that spreads more easily, according to Van Jones. Now, he's tweeted since then saying, I did not mean to imply that they were a disease. Sure, you didn't, buddy. Imagine the sympathy you would have for a claim like that if that claim was reversed. Of course, you can't do that, can you, Van? Because you're never the racist ever. You're not the racist at all. That's why you could never possibly say anything bad. And that, of course, is the communist mindset. They are good people because of the beliefs they have. And once they are good people, any belief they express is good. It can't be bad because they are good people expressing it. And they are good people because of the beliefs they express. It's that circular logic that really incompetent narcissists possess in spades. Anderson Cooper actually got the analogy wrong because he tried to imply that it was more dangerous and of course the delta variant is not more dangerous it supposedly spreads more quickly maybe that's just because they've given it to all the vaccinated people could be that but anderson cooper actually tried to help the covid narrative and van jones shot him down on that too so They're not doing very well on the covid narrative, but they're certainly not doing very well on the race narrative. And he said it spreads more easily and can go to more places. So let's just say that Ban Jones is right in his analogy. And we'll take him at his word that he didn't mean that all these bad, evil white voters are a disease, though. Really, do we have to give him the benefit of the doubt on that one? Don't think we do. Let's say he's right, though. Okay. if political ideas spread more easily to more places, I guess that means they're more convincing, huh? Van Jones just accidentally admitted that people don't like the Democrat agenda. But of course, he doesn't realize that because he's too busy with his perfect analogy (laughs) that he probably has been coming up with for days. Finally got a chance to test drive it. Didn't work as well as he thought. But then again, Van Jones is subject to the same condition that everyone in the party of false decorum is subject to. Incompetence and narcissism and a willingness to lie at any time. But I want to talk for a minute about something I've said before and something I've been thinking about pretty much nonstop for the last year. If they're able to manipulate elections to the extent we know they're able to manipulate them and they do this to achieve a desired outcome, did they achieve their desired outcome last night? I'm not just talking about Democrats. I'm talking about the Uniparty. I'm talking about global communism. What would be the best possible result of the election for the global communists, right? A McAuliffe blowout, no one would have believed it. A Yunkin blowout would have absolutely destroyed their narrative. So what outcome can they produce that would leave their narrative intact and also be believable? Well, it would be a close election, one by one side or the other. And it turns out the Republican side finished ahead last night for now. And I'm not saying for now because I expect that result to change. I'm saying that I'm not convinced it can't change. Hopefully over the next couple of days, we will realize there is no chance that changes. They will have the final vote totals and it'll be done and dusted. That's what I expect to happen. That's what I hope will happen. But I'm not 100% convinced that will happen. How do they benefit from this narrative? Okay, so Joe Biden's agenda was already dead in the water. The global communists in the Republican Party could have already stopped his narrative dead in its tracks weeks ago. They didn't have to give them a two-month extension on the debt ceiling. They didn't have to keep playing footsie with this infrastructure bill. The Senate didn't have to ever pass any piece of this. And so what last night does is cement that Biden's agenda is dead in its tracks. It was already that way. If the people in the Republican Party were executing their offices faithfully, doing what their voters wanted them to do and doing what was In the best interest of the party, which unfortunately for the establishment, they no longer control. And of course, they wanted to set up scenarios that would produce the exact reaction that Alex Berenson had. This is proof that there was no election fraud in 2020 and there's no election fraud. Now, if there was election fraud, the Democrats would have blown Glenn Youngkin out of the water and would retain the governor's mansion in Virginia. But that's not how it works. And Alex Berenson, having not studied the issue at all, is too ignorant to understand that because he still thinks in a Democrat-Republican paradigm, and that's not what the situation is. The accusations from our side aren't just Democrats cheat. It's that the establishment system cheats. The people aligned with the global communist agenda cheat. And there are plenty of those on the Republican side. We're being told that this win comes from people watching the polls very carefully and everybody coming out to vote. Now, those two things might both be true. But that doesn't mean that somehow we stopped all the fraud. There's absolutely no way that's true. Especially when we know that all of these Democrat votes, well, not all of them, but you know what I mean. These huge margins in certain places came from mail-in voting, which is the easiest form of voting to defraud. And that's not a subject that's up for debate. It's just true. And Democrats know it's true. And Democrats have said it's true. Just like they say that the machines are easy to hack. These aren't things that we just made up since last fall. These are things that have been known for a very long time. And I just want to mention another election manipulation, another narrative manipulation that was present last night, was present in 2020. They used to, when they were updating the counts throughout the night on election night on the cable news channels, they used to have the percentage, and it was a percentage of precincts reporting. They changed that over to a percentage of the expected vote. Okay. And so now that number. Becomes meaningless. They have a number of expected votes and they just give you a percentage of that overall number. So it's not actually defined anywhere. Oh, this precinct has reported, their numbers are done. This precinct has reported, their numbers are done. It's a total, but the total is variable and it's an expected percentage of the expected total. That number. Is whatever they want it to be. And when someone calls in and says, hey, you know what? We're actually going to raise our expected vote total by 50,000 votes. Well, then the cable news channels are like, oh, I guess we better uh, change our percentages. Why? Did new precincts report their final numbers? No. Just more votes. Oh, there's just going to be more votes in the process. That's what it is. 50,000 extra votes, 100,000, 200,000, 300,000. How many do we need? Let's get more in the system. And we're going to find out that fraud happened last night. Of course we are. The idea that this win for Glenn Youngkin somehow erases the fraud narrative is silly. If they thought... They were going to get everyone to stop talking about the 2020 election and election fraud because of this win last night. They are out of their minds. We are going to take that extra bit of power that we achieved last night, fold it back into the mix and keep hammering on 2020. Nothing about what happened last night should slow down that effort in any way. Being able to win the governor's seat in Virginia is not the goal and was never the goal. Glenn Youngkin should be pushing for a full forensic audit of the 2020 election and his own election immediately. And we need to make sure that the pressure is put on in Virginia to do that. But I want to circle back to the comments from. Jahan Jones and Joy Reid and Van Jones about how this was somehow a victory for racism. Because the campaign became about critical race theory, which which is not real. It's so silly. It is a word game It is a rhetorical trick saying that critical race theory is not taught. The basic fundamental ideas of critical race theory are absolutely taught in schools in Virginia and throughout the country. At the bottom, critical race theory is the idea that oppression exists in every relationship of power, and so you should seek it out, call it out, and attempt through anti-racist measures to rectify it which means that everyone who is white is classified as an oppressor. Everyone who is black is classified as oppressed. And we are supposed to believe that by teaching people that we are not creating racism. That's what's happening in schools. And the result of all that is obvious. But last night was just another example of how, The white people are oppressing the black people. And that is proven by the fact that an old white man lost. Got it? An old white man, Terry McAuliffe, corrupt as hell, a career criminal, representative of the politics that Americans disdain. He lost, therefore, racism. But so weird, so weird that Van Jones and Jahan Jones and Joy Reid don't realize that the lieutenant governor of Virginia now, the winner, is Winsome Sears, who is a black lady. She's been totally ignored. In another situation, these very woke communists might be accused of erasing Winsome Sears. She's been unpersoned, apparently. Her race, and by race, I mean political, the lieutenant governor's race, her race is irrelevant. It doesn't matter that a black woman for the first time will be lieutenant governor in Virginia because she was elected by the no-no people and she represents no-no ideas. So even though Virginians came out in full force to vote for her, doesn't matter. Virginia got more racist even while electing the first black female lieutenant governor of Virginia. That's magic. But you see, They must be right, right? Virginia was part of the Civil War South. That means that Virginia is inherently racist. And so if it becomes a red state, it's because of racism. Even if they put a black woman in as lieutenant governor. And they say that while the governor who has been in office for the last few years. Was dressed up in either blackface or or a Klan robe in his yearbook. That guy represents anti-racism. Electing Glenn Youngkin and a black woman as lieutenant governor, that's racism. So I want to talk about one more interesting observation from last night, a takeaway I had. And that is that the nationalization of our politics by the mainstream media is now blowing up in their faces. Okay. In Virginia, the key issue as reported by the exit polls and as observed by all of us who paid attention to the race was what's happening in Virginia schools. And what that means about the people putting these policies in place and what that says about a larger agenda. All right. Education was the number one issue. A lot of that comes down to what happened in Loudoun County with the school board protecting a rapist, sending him to another school where he raped again and punishing the father of the daughter who was raped by a male in a skirt. And let me just say, by the way, there was an an email exchange from the superintendent, Scott Ziegler, and some of the school board members that was released as a FOIA document. And they were referring in the email to the rapist as a male. So kind of exposes their whole gender agenda, doesn't it? Are they admitting that they let males into the. Ladies room now, because I thought the whole deal was that the males are allowed in the ladies room because they're women now. That's what we're supposed to believe. And that's what we're supposed to believe. They believe because if they don't believe it, why are they trying to tell everyone else that they have to live by? it? So there was that. And then there was obviously the critical race theory stuff and the fact That Marxist ideology is being inculcated in the nation's children. And parents don't like that very much. People have started paying attention to these things. That's all it took. No one ever wanted this stuff. They just always excused it because they didn't want to be called racist. They didn't want to be called a conspiracy theorist or a crazy person. But now it's their kids. Now it's their life being affected. So people have found some courage. And the issue of education in Virginia is a local issue, all right? The national cable news networks are not prepared to handle that local issue. And I don't just mean in terms of the way they're structured. I mean that narrative-wise, they don't have anything to say to it. There's no response. There's no way for them to paint what's happening there as okay. So they have to divert it to a nationalized narrative that they have already planted seeds of. And that's the critical race theory thing. That's their go-to backup plan. They have made it so that every issue can be viewed through the lens of race. And when they need that lens, they take it out. So instead of honestly reporting the issue and trying to figure out a way to respond to it, a way that voters will take seriously and reconsider their shift away from the Democrat communists. They just reconstrue it as a race agenda. It is anti-black somehow to want Marxism out of the schools. And that's what they go with. They can't respond to a local issue on a local basis, on a local level. They do it on a national level. And they try to convince the entire country that the people who are bringing up these problems in the schools with their own kids are somehow the bad guy. And they expect that to get voters to come turn out for Terry McAuliffe, the man who caused the problem. And in opposition to that, you've got the war room where Steve Bannon has people in Virginia, Virginia parents, people who are activists on these issues, on the ground, he has them on every day to explain exactly what's happening. And then there are all of us out in the world, around the country, who are laser focused on these things and making sure that these stories get out and get spread and people know the truth about what's going on. The national media can't respond to that. And so you can see just another way That their incompetence and their narcissism has failed them. They thought they could nationalize every single issue and use a series of repeated slogans to win elections or at least give them the illusion that elections could be won by the Democrat Communist Party. They get that narrative out into the public. Then they steal the election and people think it makes enough sense because other people must be aligned with the priorities that the media always talks about. The truth is, it's not that many people. And it hasn't been that many people for a really long time. And it wasn't that many people last fall, last November. We have the numbers. We have the truth on our side. All we need to do is make sure that spreads. All right? That's it. The people are the variable sitting between the two plans. And the plan that succeeds is the one that has the people on its side. And thank goodness, that's our side. I want to leave you with one of my favorite clips, maybe ever. Here it is. All the people that have gone out there against the mainstream media and said, you're going to call us racist, you're going to call us potential Timothy McVeigh's, fuck you. War. And I imagine that whether or not A lot of these parents in Virginia would ever want to associate themselves with Andrew Breitbart, although they probably will have no problem doing that in the next few months. But whether or not they realize it now, I should say. That's the attitude a lot of parents went out and voted with. I'm trying to protect my child. You're going to call me racist. I'm the bad guy. I'm the one who's lying. I don't know. What my own kid is being taught at this point. I don't see the way the school board responds to me when I go in and ask questions. What is that going to make the normies think these people that voted for Joe Biden last year because they somehow want politics to just go away? They think as soon as as soon as we get rid of Donald Trump, the politics are just going to go away. Everybody's just going to be united again because it's going to be a return to normal. The adults are back in the room. Well, there you go, redeemable communists. You voted for Joe Biden. You put the adults back in the room. You were very responsible. Your whole community gave you credit. Everybody said, oh, what a good little communist you are. You voted for Joe Biden. Now politics are going to go away. The politics didn't go away. Politics got right in your face. And the party that you have devoted your time and energy to. Turned around. Saw you were trying to protect your own children from them. And called you evil. And now. For the first time. You know what the rest of us dealt with. And. Now you see what election fraud looks like. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Maston and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm Your Moderator. You can join the discussion at t.me slash I'm Reasonable. I'm also on Gab and Getter at I'm Your Moderator. The sub stack is I'mYourModerator.substack.com and the merch site is CancelCouture.com. You can also go direct to that at shop.spreadshirt.com cancel-couture. I'll see you next time. Out on the range. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening.